Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast, an exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. It's great to be back with you guys. Guys, I'm so excited. It is chapter five. We finally made oh it my. to chapter five. Chapter five. Chapter five. Chapter five. And you know, after 29, I think we're on episode number 29. So after 29 episodes, we finally have made it to chapter five. Yes. And I'm so excited. Chapter four was actually pretty cool. I really enjoyed chapter four. What's some basic summary of chapter four? We finally understand transcendental knowledge. Knowledge. <laughs> And so basically, Krishna is giving us a breakdown of how important all of this knowledge is, where it's been passed down to. And then we go into a lot of sacrifice and what is Mm -hmm. sacrifice, right? Yes. And like different types of people and what kind of sacrifices they can perform and how they're not like invalid, but they're not the ultimate way to get to Krishna. Yeah, right. 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 Because at the end of each purport, whether we're talking about yagyas, sacrifices, whatever we're talking about, Srila Prabhupada always stresses that Krishna consciousness or devotional service pure love for Krishna is or always chanting the, best. Krishna, the most yes. important right. sacrifice of mm. them all. Right. Yes. And then we also went into the how important it is to have a bona fide spiritual master. What was bona fide, ladies? Legit. Legit. Legit, legit <laughs> spiritual <laughs> master. We went into, Priya had read off some of the qualities that a spiritual master has. He has to be pure hearted, you know, because he has tons of followers, disciples throwing themselves essentially at his feet. He needs to be cleansed of all impurities because if not, he can really, I don't know. We, Misguide. We talk, Guide. There's yes. so many yeah. pretenders out there who are really in it just for the fame and right. attention oh my God. and money. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you really see someone like Srila Prabhupada was just so pure-hearted. He wasn't interested in all of the everything that he I could acquire. The money, uh-huh. the Rolls Royces. He didn't care about that stuff. Not you know? even yeah, one yeah, yeah. He yeah. just wanted beautiful temples for Krishna. That's yeah. it. That's it. it. He always gave the credit to Krishna, his spiritual master. And then we all dove into the stories of our how we found our spiritual masters. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. I yeah. loved hearing your stories also a little deeper Likewise, in that. Likewise, yeah. <laughs> and when we say spiritual master, we also mean guru or, or, spiritual, or teacher. spiritual teacher, right? Whatever whatever feels you right for sensei. you. Oh, it's sensei. Wax on, wax on, wax off sensei. Right? Whatever that means, but essentially yeah. someone who is guiding you in your spiritual life. Because guys, like the Bhagavad Gita and other texts that that come from the tradition are, are can be sometimes difficult, right? And so yeah. we just need a teacher to guide us and take us through this. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so that's that was the recap. And then we had introduced a little new segment called what, ladies? Golden Nugget! <laughs> <laughs> so last episode, we talked about that yoga, not just the asanas or the downward dogs and poses, it's a way of really getting back in touch with our true nature, our inner world that's the most important. And a yoga lifestyle of simplicity and kindness really helps one keep a peaceful mind for discovering Krishna or God within. So the new nugget of today is God be... Bleh, bleh, oh my God. God can be understood in three ways. Number one, all pervading energy. Yes. Number two, in the heart. Yes. Number three, and as a person. So putting no. you guys on the hot seat, can you re- reiterate what's all pervading energy for anyone who is just tuning in? That Ooh, might be a little God obscure. is everywhere. everywhere. God is everywhere. Yes. yes. So you might go in nature and walk around and feel connected to, oh, I feel God's presence. So that's beautiful. But then God also has a personal form mm. that we can connect even I deeper to. Nice. 
So boom shakalaka. I love that. So God is everywhere. God is in nature. God, God is, is in, in your scare. heart. God's in your heart. God's in your hamster. God is everywhere. <laughs> and he's a person. And he's a person. Yes. And you can have you can form a loving, beautiful relationship with mm. this this beautiful personality. Mm. Yeah. And love that's why that. we're here today. If you're tuning in, pat yourself on the back. You're trying to develop a beautiful relationship with God in your heart. Yes. And you've made it to chapter five. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised I mean, that we've made it to chapter five. I know. <laughs> I know. When we open the Gita every time to prepare and highlight before this, I'm amazed at how in we are. I would say we're what, like a third in? Is that yeah. what this is? Yeah. That's a That's good chunk. Pa- past a third in. Yeah. Well, there's Nine. 18 chapters, so if you divide that by three. But number two no, is the longest. Look, oh, that's like true. They're not the same size. Yeah. They're not the same size. You're right. right. We covered yeah, a good chunk definitely of material. One third. No, because, yeah, I'm looking at it like this. Yeah. yeah we're yeah, we're yeah, all, yeah. like, lifting our Geetas up in the air <laughs> to be like, how much do we finish? Also yeah. forgetting that this is, like, a radio show kind of thing. <laughs> we forget of, that you can't see us sometimes. Look at this. Because we're not professional podcasters. We're trying our best in life. We're just trying our best. Just remember, we're your local book club buddies. Book club buddies. Okay, anyways. And the Invocation, ladies. Oh, let's do that. All right. Ready? Om Ajnana Timirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yuna Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Translation. I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances onto him. As I've said, as we get deeper and deeper into the Bhagavad Gita, or as you say, Shama, Bhagavad Gita. Oh my God, guys. <laughs> I, t- I thought you guys would I'm forget sorry, about I'm that. <laughs> I'm not going to let you know. If off, you but. don't know what that reference is for, from, you can check out our Instagram yes. at Modern Yogi. Podcast. podcast at Modern Yogi Podcast. At Modern Yogi Podcast. We have three tries to say it right. <laughs> at Modern Yogi Podcast. And there's a if you ever have a question or a complaint or any anything at all that we talk about, please DM us and we will address it on the air. And because th- this is this is dense stuff, it can yeah. be very very difficult to understand. So we are open to all of your DMs. So yes. Yeah. Also, shout out to McKenna and Ami who have been messaging us on Instagram. Oh. And shout out to our awesome uh, Instagram helper. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah, so we have some fun uh, Instagram posts coming up and some stories, so check them out. Yeah, Uh, we like to engage with you guys. Let's make this an interactive experience, so definitely check it out. (laughs) Uh, But what I was going to say before saying Bhagavad Gita. Oh, yes, um, Every time, uh, Shama, that you read the translation of the invocation prayers, the more deeper we get into the chapters of the Bhagavad Gita. (laughs) um, (laughs) Sorry, I had to get a focus. Uh, When you say the torch of knowledge, the spiritual master, we just now dove even deeper into like the significance of the spiritual master or your teacher, what it means to us. So that visual gets deeper and deeper and more like filling in each time a little more of the puzzle pieces. I feel like we're, yeah, we're going into a dark cave and he's the only one that has a lantern, right? And so like you're following him because we don't know everything, right? Right. And so like we have to follow the footsteps of someone who has more experience and more knowledge than us. Right. Mm -hmm. So important to find your teacher. Yes. yes. Yeah. All right. Shall we do it? Yes, let's text do it. Text one, Priya. Chapter five, text one. Five, you, did we? Sorry. Did we say? <laughs> I'm so sorry. The title of chapter five. Did we even say it? Because that's important. No. Chapter five is Karma Yoga Action in Krishna Consciousness. Yes. So Love as we, we had already talked about Karma Yoga a little, this is an even chapter deeper three. dive into yes, it. Yes, Love yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Text one. Arjuna said, oh, Krishna, first of all, you asked me to renounce work and then you recommend work with devotion. Now, will you kindly tell me definitely which of the two is more beneficial? Okay, so Arjuna is looking for 
clarification here, okay? So yes. you talk about renouncing, you talk about devotion. Now he says the word, you kindly tell me definitely. Being like, <laughs> hey, you need to specify, Krishna. I need it spelled out. I need it spelled out, Krishna. Which of the two is more beneficial? Because I know Krishna in the past has talked about how both of them have their their good, their, their pros, right? Yeah. But he's asking specifically which of these two things, renounce work or work in devotion, is better for me, right? right. More beneficial. Right. Because in the last couple of chapters, Krishna has simultaneously stressed the importance of both work and devotion and then inaction and knowledge. And so like Arjuna's like, what am I supposed to do, right? Because right. here, mm. when we're talking about renouncing work, which, you know, uh, we figured it out a little bit ago before we recorded, it's like the idea of someone maybe if we don't want to use the imagery of someone going into the forest, we can say someone who's like doing well in life, but they decide, you know what? I'm just going to give up on my money. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give up my house. I'm going to give up my car and like falsely kind of put themselves in that position. And then they say, I'm going to go live under a bridge. Right, what kind of right. advancement are we making if right. we are that kind of, right? Right. We're right, just running right. away from everything. Yep. And, and I love how you said, because where was that line that you read? You said the two things he explained were. It's on page 230 on the top. Ah, because, right, stopping work in knowledge, that's kind of like, it, it, it is not what it seems, like Priya was saying, does not mean stop working actually. It means just, sorry, I had a brain fart moment. Siri started speaking. Shut up, Siri. Um, no, that, yeah, it's not quite as, as what it means, like, yeah, stop working completely. It just means that, you know, for a recap for anyone that's just joining us, because we talked a lot in chapter three about karma yoga so just breaking it down a second karma means action yoga means union so that means that through our temporary dharma which means through our temporary duty as our fireman right accountant teacher uh, teacher whatever it is you are through your internal mindset going to make that devotional service to krishna because i'm going to detach myself from my ego see that krishna is the doer he's working through me and i'm offering this up to krishna so through your mindset you can transform your temporary dharma through karma yoga as devotional service because we have bhakti yoga which is direct devotional service and that's your eternal dharma you're eternally a servant of krishna but then you have your temporary dharma as we said your work whatever you might be doing in what this o- world whatever occupation that you have right so through karma yoga you're transforming your temporary dharma into devotional service right but i think in here and if you don't mind me yeah, saying yeah, Prabhupada's basically saying and I'm, i'll read it it says uh, arjuna appears not to have understood that work in full knowledge is non-reactive and mm-hmm. is therefore the same as inaction so basically saying like right. working with the full knowledge that our lives our dharma our like like what we're supposed to do in this lifetime is to do our work with thinking changing our mindset right like as shamali was saying like working with krishna in mind in a sense like that work with full knowledge that's what it means right so can we give examples of like both of those right so like working with full knowledge meaning like if i'm a teacher right Mm -hmm. and i know my duty is to help these kids learn Spanish, right? Let's say, for instance, right? Yes. Uh, which is Shamali's job, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, if so, karma, how do you put karma yoga in that? It's like you know that you're teaching these kids because it helps them in their life. Right. Well, how do we put Krishna in that? I think we had mentioned it sometimes or uh, some episodes ago that some work is easier to connect than others because I might feel like, okay, I'm helping these little souls flourish. I'm at a Catholic school where I'm able to talk about God. So anytime uh, the kids have a bad day, right. but I want to, I'm going to say this and I'm going to give another example because an accountant might feel like I can't do that. How do I make yes. my right. accounting life about Krishna? Right. So, okay. In my job, yeah, I can see a direct connection. I'm helping develop and mold 
hold these little souls when they're in such a malleable state of life yeah. and able to, when they're having a bad day, talk to them about God is in your heart. So I just don't use the word Krishna. I say God, and I'm able to say everything, all the principles of bhakti yoga and help mold them in that way. Wow. But it doesn't matter if you're able to talk directly about God or not, even if you're not able to talk indirectly about God, let's say an accountant might feel like, well, how does karma yoga apply to me? Right. You're still able to practice these principles through your job. Like, okay, I have certain gifts and talents in accounting, in this, in that. I'm going to see them as their gifts from Krishna. He's working through me and I'm going to go do my duty, trying to be detached from the results. You're kind of practicing this checklist of your inner approach to your work. Mm. And if you're able to kind of boom, boom, go checking off the checklist of detach yourself. I'm not the doer. Krishna's working through me. It's going to bring your ego down. Right. It's then, like that, that person of like uh, equipoise in, in your in job. And whether, and whether you get the promotion or you get fired, you're not going to react crazily. Right? Yeah. Like you're just right. you understand that you're doing the best that you can in the position and Krishna is guiding you the rest exactly. of the way. So the accountant starts practicing these qualities, like Priya said, being equipoise and the good and the bad. And then you become a pure hearted vessel for Krishna to work through you. And then who knows where Krishna is going to place you. You might have a conversation with the CEO of your job and you're able to inspire him by your equipoise nature. And then one thing leads to another. And you've then, someone might ask you, how are you so peaceful? And boom, you start talking about the teachings of the Gita. You never know. But the point is in, in a work that's not so direct connected like maybe teaching mm. or that's more that's indirect but I'm still able to kind of talk to the kids about things so even if you're not able to do that it's a checklist of your qualities that you're going refining yeah and you, I'm just trying to like bring it back to to like I know we say this stuff over and over again and I was like I, I'm a comedian right and so like mm, my right. like I'm trying to do comedy full-time and it's like how do I bring Krishna into that in terms of like karma yoga philosophy right mm, where right. it's like I know that the only thing that I can control is how well I write my jokes how much I, I mean I'm trying to put a little bit of Krishna consciousness in it yeah. in some ways right I right. can't always do it because you know guys it's comedy right <laughs> and so and like but I I know at the end of the day that no matter what happens, whether I'm successful or not successful, or whether they laugh or they don't laugh, I'm going to leave that to Krishna. Right, yeah. Right. It's hard, but it's also kind of so liberating at the same time where it's mm. like, I just need to focus on writing. Whatever right. happens after that is not up to me. Right. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? It's like so difficult, but like so easy to like, it, it feels like a little surrendering a little mm. bit. You right. know what I mean? Right. And because this world is full of duality on a moment to moment basis, you're going to have an opportunity to practice surrender. I mentioned yeah. to the ladies that we were, I was just having a conversation with my parents last night because I've been really stressed out about certain situations, a new position, a lot of responsibility, my spiritual master's health. I've always had a thing with death, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I'm very stressed. And last night my dad told me, um, you know, throw your arms up in surrender and just let the sorry flow. And I want to explain what that means because Ooh, it has to do yeah. with the... Shama, what do you think that means connected to the Bhagavad Gita and its teachings? The sorry flow? Are we talking about Dropani? We right are, okay, we so, are. So th do you want to tell the story? Well, I, uh, I was throwing that on you, but yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can tell, I can tell the story. So I think, yeah, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. I need I you. you to correct me if I'm no, wrong, because okay, I'm going to do a really bad job at no, this. No, go for it, okay. go for it. So a long time ago, Dropati, who was related to Krishna in what way? 
She was the wife of the Pandavas, basically. Sister-in-law, sister-in-law, so, right? Yeah, because if, if Arjuna... Like, well, they're cousins. Krishna is cousins with Arjuna. You know what? We can avoid this familial connection if we don't know by just saying, she is the wife of the Pandavas, and the Pandavas are cousins with Krishna. Yeah, so basically so she, had, she had more of like a sisterly <laughs> relationship with Krishna, right? Yes. Right, right. And so I think at the beginning of the Mahabharat, right, there was like a gambling match. You know how we're right. talking about this war that's happening right now? The good guys versus the bad guys? Right, this so was this was before the, the war. This was before the war started. Right. And one of the plots that the evil side had, Duryodhan and his kind of clang of, of bad advisors, they wanted to essentially take the kingdom away from the Pandavas. So they did a whole dice game. It was where a they, rigged dice game. A rigged <laughs> dice game where they wanted to go stealing Shady. things. Yeah. yeah. And they wanted to go stealing things for their possessions, their kingdom, their even to the point where they wanted to steal their wife because... The Pandavas' the wife. Pandavas so Arjuna's wives. wife. Yeah. Exactly. Through this rigged dice game they wanted to take all the possessions away from the Pandavas through cheating essentially yeah so at one point they they anyway you have to really listen to the Mahabharata incredible narration and they they essentially bring Draupadi out into this court filled with all of the kings of the Kuru dynasty yeah. who's, who's they uh, Duryodhan and his so well, the bad guys the, the bad, bad guys, guys. Evil, evil D's sons, evil sons. Yeah, yeah Duryodhan evil D sent someone to get Draupadi they dragged her out into the assembly hall and one of them, I forget exactly who, uh, one of the advisors of Duryodhan, Evil D, Evil starts D. pulling at Draupadi Sari. They wanted to kind of disrobe her. Like humiliate, humiliate her, in, her. Fr- in front of everybody. Right. Yeah. And remember, this is the wife of the, the Pandavas. Like, this is Arjuna's wife. You mean? Like, she has, like, she's, like, a very, very important person. And just trying to humiliate her in right. front of an entire, like, grand assembly of all these men and warriors like they really just like tried to yeah to exactly so Draupadi knew that her. at one point she's trying to hold on to her sorry and she knew that uh the that he was much stronger than her and she just keeps holding the sorry pulling pulling trying to like control the situation and at one point she has the realization where you know what I'm just going to close my eyes and deeply in prayer call out to Krishna. So there's this beautiful moment in the Bhagavad Gita or in the Mahabharata actually because this happened before the part of the Bhagavad Gita. Mm-hmm. She throws up her arms in the air, lets go of the sari that she's been holding and calls out for Krishna and Krishna through his divine intervention comes and just endlessly provides like an eternal the sari keeps like even though this guy's pulling 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 trying One to destroy the strongest her. people in the, all of the the, the armies is trying to pull, 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 pull. And like right. she... And she's holding on, holding on. But when she pulls her or throws her hands in the air and calls out for Krishna, he, through his divine intervention, makes the sari just flow and she, he's not able to disrobe her and he just keeps getting frustrated. So Krishna intervened in that moment. So the ultimate lesson here, right, is to have faith in Krishna. Right. She didn't, like, she didn't have faith in any of her husbands because none of her husbands stopped that, right? Like none right. of her husbands stop that they all had their own reasons right she didn't have like faith in them she didn't have faith in like the general morality and remember there's kings there right Right. even like grandfather Bhishma was there and he didn't do anything right so she relied on Krishna she had faith in Krishna that Krishna would protect her right and so going back to what your dad said my dad was basically telling me the way certain things have unfolded up until now they were saying can't you see Krishna's been so guiding every single moment for you I can at a later point get into like the story of where I felt Krishna's miracle in my life lately. And that's why last time my dad said, 
you should then just trust it, throw your hands in the air and rely on Krishna and let the sari flow. Meaning like, just let Krishna's work flow through you. Keep doing what you're doing for everyone out there and Krishna's magic will flow through you. And it's scary to let go because we want to control and to, ah, if, if a situation seems to not be going exactly how we want it to go, we get so nervous, but Krishna has a plan. So throw your hands into the air and just rely on him. Yeah. Yeah. And with what you were saying, Shamasan, Gita about like your potential like your Comedy. career right now and like yeah. your situation and you're saying it almost feels like a relief like knowing yeah. that you just have to do your best and then like Krishna That's will it. take over like That's I feel it. like it's like Krishna takes like weight off our shoulders yeah. if you just do what you're supposed to do you know, and like you, you try your best, yes, right? Because that's yes, the thing. Yes, like yes. As, as long as we try our best and we know why we're doing what mm. we're doing and like mm-hmm. our intention, our mindset, you know, it's, yeah. it feels better. I, I love that you said that. And literally it comes down to something that we've talked about over and over again is like every single day you have the choice between faith mm-hmm. and fear, right? Yeah. Faith meaning like Krishna will have your back no matter what or fear and that and everything, all the baggage that comes with fear, insecurities, stress, worry, all right. of that stuff. You have a choice every single day right. to make that choice between faith and fear. Yeah. Right. So bringing it back uh, to the purport here, it's interesting because- oh, right. Yeah, we're on chapter oh, five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're just uh, talking everything. <laughs> um, no, because here, right, Krishna has basically confused Arjuna by simultaneously stressing the importance of work and devotional service and inaction in knowledge. So what does that mean? Because work and renunciation appear to Arjuna to be incompatible. He seems to have not understood that work in full knowledge is non-reactive or meaning that full knowledge is that we know that we can transform our work through our mindset as a service to Krishna. And it's non-reactive, meaning we won't get good or bad karma. Which is good. So I, which is good, which we don't want the good or bad karma because that'll stuck, get us stuck in the rat race. So therefore work in full knowledge. I love that concept of full knowledge is he's not saying don't work, but work in full knowledge is the same as in action. That's a key difference Mm -hmm. that I feel Arjuna actually knows, but he's asking for all of our benefit. Right. Yeah. 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 He's asking for clarification. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. All right. Anything else, guys, on um, text number one, chapter five? Makes sense so far. He's yeah. just saying why, like, you're kind of making it sound like this is good. Uh, going and living under a bridge is good. And then you're making it sound like, actually, I should just do my duty with devotion. Right. Which one is? Which one's better? better. Uh, and this sets up yeah. the chapter nicely because it said, Arjuna understands that renunciation and knowledge involves, like, stopping working just for your sense gratification, for your senses. But... If one performs work in devotional service, then how is work stopped? Dun, dun, dun. So that's the whole chapter on karma yoga. If we're going to do any form of work, even in devotional service, isn't that work? Isn't, doesn't that acquire bad and good karma? Not really. So we will see. Let's see. Because Krishna responds in the next text. So text number two, the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna replied... The renunciation of work and work in devotion are both good for liberation. But of the two, work in devotional service is better than renunciation of work. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. We have our answer. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. So it's basically saying, yeah, if you if you run off to the forest or go off to the Himalayas, sure, that might be good to a certain extent. You'll become liberated from some things. But really, there's a higher step. If you work for devotional service to Krishna through karma yoga, then that's the highest of the high. Yes. 
I think. Yeah, yeah. that's it. And you know how you feel when you, I, I'm not comparing this to a vacation or anything, <laughs> but like, you know, when you go off somewhere like that doesn't have technology, like if you're going mm. to like a lake house oh, or yes. like somewhere that has no technology camping. and you're camping and then you just let go of all of these worries and all that stuff. I mean, I feel like that's kind of like renunciation, right? Mm. Like you're just letting go of everything. And if you meditate, they are fantastic, right? That Krishna says, basically that's good for liberation. However, the better thing is to just work in devotional service. Exactly. Because renunciation of work just for the sake of renouncing work, like sure, you might get a little bit more control of your senses and mind because here it says, okay, if one's super attached to improving our bodily standards, they're sure going to continue transmigrating into different type of bodies and the material bondage will just be an endless cycle. So, okay, if you run off to the mountains, you might stop that, but you're not going to achieve entering into the kingdom of Krishna. That's not what you're going to achieve just by running off to the forest. Right, right, right. Yeah. You'll be you'll be really like stress free at this lake house and stuff, but right. <laughs> uh, but it's not getting you anywhere good. You know, there was one sentence that caught my attention, and at first read it might seem a little bit harsh, but it says one is considered to be a failure in life as long as he makes no inquiry about his real identity. Oh, so I as long that. as he doesn't know his real identity, he has to work for the, his senses basically. And you know, our Lord Sir Abhijit in the one of the previous episodes had said that illusion is when something is not what it seems. So that's basically a failure might sound harsh, but if we're in this world to grow, to evolve and to get out of here, we're just passengers in this material world. If we just get sidetracked by all the shiny, flashy objects, Mm, that's a failure because then what are we doing? It's not saying, okay, you can enjoy a little. Sure. I'm going to go to the beach with my family this weekend and have a nice time bonding with them. That's not what they're saying. They don't say like totally don't enjoy, but that's not the end all be all. Yeah, know? I think they're talking about like the big picture of what your goal in mm-hmm. life is. And mm-hmm. so if you're thinking about life's goal is to kind of not have to be born again, not to reincarnate mm-hmm. again and all of that, then you understand that like if you're not inquiring about what, what you're supposed to do in this lifetime, then you're not doing the thing that you're supposed to do in the big picture of yeah. this right, life, yeah. right? And Yeah, and I think that like the most important thing for any human being, like our real life starts when we start asking questions right. about why we're here, right. what we're doing or what the whole point is. Because when we're not asking those questions, we just have those like horse blinders on where we're just like doing all these things and we like we get depressed and sad and like go through the motions of good days and bad days right. and all that stuff. And like we're just we're just I don't know, we just it's kind of like we're blind a little bit yeah, to what's sure. going on. I mean, right. the same as like little kids when they start like growing up and actually becoming little humans is yeah. when they start asking questions yes. like right. what is this what is this for yes. why and this and like yeah. all these right. questions it's like when they start kind of becoming like actual people so why do we as adults stop asking questions mm. at a certain point because we get so comfortable oh, in the everyday yeah. life right yeah. like oh I have a job I have a partner right. I have all to the things that I do family, I I'm going to do, do those things yeah. and then I'm going to go and to sleep and then do it again the yeah. next day I think that's one explanation sometimes people just don't want to rock the boat they're comfortable yes. enough mm. and they feel yes, like yes, you know yes, what yes. I understand this I'm going to stick to this I don't want to why even question it right right and you know I I might've mentioned this in a previous episode, one of my lifelong friends, uh, she wasn't born into the movement. And when she went through, like in her teenage years, she went through a huge existential crisis where she started questioning everything. And she called me up. And my first response to her was like, this is great. 
right? And she's like, uh, okay, Shamali, you're losing me right now. What what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. I was like, no, because like as Shama said, your real life starts when you ask questions. Yes. Yes. So she was so dissatisfied with just the regular mundane routine of life yes. that she started spiraling to what is the meaning of all of this anyway? And that's I was a good like, spiral. It's a good that's spiral. That's a good spiral. Yeah. yeah. It's a good yeah. place to be. It's a, that's the beginning. Right. It's kind of like the beginning of your eyes and exploration right. and everything. There's one more part of the purport I love that kind of talks about action because it says, okay, number one, jnana, which is just the knowledge, the knowledge that we're not this material body, but we're a spirit soul is not sufficient for liberation because one has to really act in the status of the spirit soul otherwise there's no escape from the material bondage what do you mean meaning that mean? Yeah. meaning that you know my my spiritual master i might have mentioned this before or just thought to mention it i don't know but i'll say it again <laughs> uh, do it, do he it. has said that you know we hear so many times through the bhagavad-gita we're not the body we're not the body to the point where you might think okay i get it we're not the body <laughs> i don't want to hear it again yeah. but he says do you really get it meaning oh, do you yes. live by that do you act by that because there's one thing number one you can know the knowledge number two you can recite the knowledge by heart but number three you have to be able to act on the knowledge mm. and he gives a beautiful comparison that like okay who would you say is kind of on a higher level the person who's able to recite an entire cookbook front cover to back cover or the one that's actually able to cook and make the recipes Ooh, happen you the know? latter obviously we want to cook we, yeah, 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 I, I want to enjoy the I'm hungry as I'm listening to Shamley talk about this <laughs> Right, the one right. who can cook. Right. So we need to be able to act upon this knowledge. So for any of the listeners, is if any of this has sounded redundant, really let this sink in. Don't just let it go from one year to the next, yes. but let it reach your heart yep. and transmit into your actions. Yep. Sweet. Love that. All right. Text, Text number three. Shamali. Mm. So... One who neither hates nor desires the fruits of his activities is known to be always renounced. Such a person, free from all dualities, easily overcomes material bondage and is completely liberated. Oh, mighty arms, Arjuna. What so the, a nickname. Yeah, I know. So this is Krishna still talking. <laughs> yes. And I think this verse kind of reiterates a lot of what we learned in mm -hmm. chapter four. It's like someone who is equipoised with, you know, mm -hmm. with whatever happens, whether he gets rewarded or the opposite of rewards, right? Yeah. Someone who doesn't get mentally agitated when good things or bad things happen to them, right? Right, yeah, right. Yeah, I love, I love that they use the word hates or desires. Like, so, uh, one who neither hates nor desires the fruit of their activities because we haven't seen those words before. Yeah. So it's kind of showing like the emotion, right? Like the mm -hmm. crazy emotion. So like you were saying, the equipoise, right? You're not going to mm -hmm. go super angry or super excited over uh, receiving a promotion right. or right. receiving something, right? And you know, I also along the lines of what you say, Priya, I also hate caught my attention and I like it because normally we say like, um, right, don't desire all the fruits, but not to hate it. Someone might think, isn't it good to hate negative things that are going to cause you bondage. But sometimes we get so attached to the detachment that it becomes, we're, uh, we're obsessed with being, I hate this and I hate that, that we're obsessed mm. with the hate. So it's like, no, 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 you shouldn't be attached to the loving it or hating it. Right. right. Okay. Like if someone gives you a car and you're like, no, I, ca I can't have anything. I must live under the bridge without I anything. Hate cars. I hate the fact right. that this person gave me this. Like that would be crazy. Like yeah. that's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I have I'm a not little, normal. Yeah. <laughs> a little story. My mom actually, 
actually reiterated to me the other day that I've had, you know, growing up in this, you hear all these stories again and again, but older you might hear it and it clicks differently. So my mom was saying there's two brahmanas basically, which are kind of the, the, the students that, that they're practicing renunciation, they're studying, they're young and they came to a river and there was this young girl trying to cross the river, but she couldn't swim. So one of the brahmanas, um, or was it brahmacharis, whatever, one of the boys picks her up and, and carries her across the river and places her down on the other side. And they keep walking to the ashram, brahmacharis, I meant to say, they keep walking to the ashram. And an hour later, the one that didn't pick her up looks at the guy that did and says, I cannot believe you touched that woman and you picked her up. How could you do because such a thing? The, the, because the brahmacharis are celibate monks, right? Yes, yeah. they're right. celibate monks, so they're supposed to keep their distance from women and right. just focus on their studies. Right. So, like the idea of touching a woman is like, oh my god! <gasps> right, right, and and that not forever, but as as long as they're in the ashram for that phase. What that means is like if they're wearing saffron, generally mm-hmm. speaking, that's the face they're in. Right. So right. finish the story, yeah. Right, right. So then, yeah. So the one guy tells the other, "I can't believe." <gasps> I you. can't believe you. Who touched that woman? The horror. <laughs> and the other one says, well, I picked her up for all of a couple minutes that it took to get across the river and left her back there while you kept carrying her in your mind and for the past it. couple hours and yeah. thinking about it. You know, so mm. there's a big difference with you might do, the one did it in a detached way. He carried her up. But the other one, to me, that embodies attachment to detachment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, yes, he was like yes, judgmental. Yes. He was uh-huh. holding it in his mind. He was like, how dare my friend right. do something that some yes. monks are not yes. supposed to do? You know what I mean? Right, yeah. right. And he becomes critical himself, which is a huge hindrance to your own spiritual oh, path. Yes. I yes, love yes, that yes. story. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Good story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Anything Thanks, else Mama. for text three? Uh, da, da, da. Only the last line I like. Being freed from the platform of dualities, he is liberated even in this material world. I love that because oh, it's yes, a conscious. Yeah. Uh, nice, yeah, nice. Yeah. You can achieve this even being in this world. Yeah. You can find heaven on earth through an internal mindset. And so, mm-hmm. so it, Krishna says, such a person free from all dualities, right? And so rem- let's remind our, our listeners what those do dualities are because our world is filled with them, right? Right, So this is like not being upset or too joyful when things are too hot or too cold or there's like 100 degrees outside or 32 degrees, you know what I mean? Or like like you get rewards that are just gems and diamonds or getting... Or compliments or, or, compliments or um, criticisms. criticisms. Yeah. Or trolls on the internet writing weird <laughs> comments on your posts. Like, you mean, like, you, if you have to, like, there's so much duality in terms of good and bad in the world. But if you can remain right. mentally stable throughout all of those dualities, Krishna says here that this person overly, easily, sorry, easily overcomes material bondage and is completely liberated. Right. And it's always through, you know what, through a beautiful, loving connection to Krishna, to God, because falsely renouncing and just with. Without Krishna consciousness, it's incomplete because there's going to always be the chance to, you're going to slip, it's a slippery slope. So if you, without trying to develop a loving connection to Krishna through Krishna consciousness, if you just try to say, I'm going to renounce everything and control my senses and control my mind, that's a bleak uh, obsolete road. You're, there's always going to be the well chance. Said. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle. That was poetic. You're really always nice. so appreciative. You are just I mean, one of the I most don't know ap- how you come up with these words sometimes. <laughs> this bleak, obsolete road. I was like, <laughs> you should put that spoken word. Oh my God. That was beautiful. Oh, you. You're so sweet. So yeah, it's, it's incomplete because then there's always going to be the chance to still fall. So that's why yes. you have to channel it towards Krishna because, and that's true full renunciation in full knowledge within knowing 
the, the concepts of karma yoga and that everything's connected to Krishna. So I'm going to use it in his service. Way to bring it back, Shalini. Way to bring it back. All right. Anything <laughs> else for text number three? Nope. Text Looks four, good. Priyadarshini. Only the ignorant speak of devotional service, karma yoga, as being different from the analytical study of the material world, Sankhya. Mm. Those who are actually learned say that he who applies himself well to one of these paths achieves the result of both. I love this because there the is honey, a- the honey analogy, right? Yeah. Can you, can you like correlate the honey jar analogy to this verse? Right. So mm, I'll do that in one second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I had to put you on the hot seat. No, no, yeah. Like you always do with us. <laughs> no, I, and I, I'm, I'm not prepared. But I first want to say one thing. When I read this verse before, the analytical study of the material world is Sankhya, right? And I yes. was reading that and thinking, okay, what can be a practical example? That can be a very philosophical person who analyzes the world. And since the whole point of the world is to become self-realized and mm. essentially go back to Krishna, you might get someone who's not necessarily been exposed yet to devotional service and to all these principles, but they might realize, huh, what is the point of everything? Mm. And from one question leading them to another, if they're truly philosophically enlightened, they're going to come to a similar conclusion. It just might be a longer roundabout way, but that's why it's kind of saying, so one who really applies himself well to one of these paths achieve the same end result. So basically the one who goes in the study of the material world will realize it's empty and void of, of, Meaning, if it's not connected to something transcendental, or yeah. Something I mean, right. it could happen to a scientist. Like he can right. start looking for answers. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, look at that. Yes. They can start looking for uh, like for the understanding of the world, and maybe find some holes here and there, and start thinking, well, is there another oh. explanation? Can right. I right. look into other like ways in which the world can be explained, right. and then that could lead them to reading the Srimad Bhagavatam or some other or verses, the Gita. or the Bhagavad Gita, I mean. and then like understanding further and further, like that there is God and that God is a person, and right. all these things, and then eventually they can come to do devotional service, and I think that's kind of what they're saying. It's saying here that a real student of the Sankhya philosophy looks for the root of the material world. Like they try to find what the, what, what is it? Right. And and they find that it's Krishna. And then after that, they kind of realize that devotional service is the way to go. Right. Right. So so in terms of like that analogy of like, there's a jar filled with honey and that, that honey I'm assuming is like love for Krishna. Right. Mm. You can stand back and look at the honey jar and be like, Hmm, I wonder what that is. Let me analyze this all day. And you're analyzing the jar. You're analyzing the diameter of the lid. You're analyzing the color. You're analyzing the glass. You're analyzing everything around it. Right. But then the moment you actually Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To finish what you're saying, yeah. it's like the real student will not just analyze it from the outside. They'll be like, well, there has to be more than just what it looks like. Yes. There, there has to be beyond this, right? So they might open the lid, Turn actually it taste yep. it, and yes. then they're like, oh, huh. wow. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, right? yeah. exactly. That was the, sorry, for a second I was looking up because I was I was stuck uh, a minute ago when Priya, you were giving the example of a scientist who might come to the same conclusion. <laughs> On my phone, I just typed Einstein quotes because Einstein was a, very, a, a spiritualist as well. Yes. He had deep faith in God and he also was a man of science. And he talks about, there's there, you can see the, the world in two ways as if something, everything is a miracle, you know, connected to a divine being, or as if everything is, you know, well, he actually said it in a funny way. He's like, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. Oh, 
I read it. I read it. One is as though everything is a miracle. The other is as if everything's a miracle. Like he didn't give you an option, but right. No, he <laughs> so said, everything he said, is a miracle. <laughs> you can see it as nothing's a miracle or like a non-believer and, and everything happens randomly. Yeah. Or you could see it as everything's a everything miracle connected a miracle. to a divine being. So he was a scientist who also was a very like spiritual person anyway. But yeah. The key is to open up the honey jar though. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> through Sankhya. Because if you're analyzing it, it's just going to take longer. You might yeah. just get to the same conclusion that like, hey, the love of Krishna is kind Kind of the whole shebang here, right. or you could just open the honey jar and and right. give devotional service uh, a chance. Yeah, yeah. Right. that sounds and, good. And I love how they also kind of capitalize here that ultimately it's devotional service. So in a couple texts ago, whether we talked about renouncing the work and then or renouncing your work through devotional service, it's devotional service that's going to be the best. And here again, when we're talking about analytical study of the material world versus devotional service. Again, devotional service is going to be the best. It's always the same conclusion. Yeah. Yes. Arjuna's like clarifying, clarifying, clarifying. Like, what is it? And then Chris is like, here it is. Here it is. Here is the answer. So yes. just right, <laughs> so, right. so there's no confusion. Also, right. I want to mention that uh, for people who are reading this, there's been three ways in which devotional service has been named. It's been named as work with devotion. It's been named as devotional service and then mm. as karma yoga. Uh-huh. But they all mean the same thing. So like just so that in the future we're not confused, like so far they've all meant the same thing. Love right. that. I love how they worded the first sentence in the purpose. The aim of the analytical study of the material world is to find the soul of existence. The soul of the material world is the super soul or Krishna, essentially. So that's going to be the ultimate conclusion of, right, analyzing. So it's kind of like the difference, like we said, with looking at the jar of honey from the outside and analyzing or just take a dive in, a leap of faith and open it and taste the honey. Taste the honey, liver. Let's all be a poo bear. (laughs) (laughs) All right, text number five. Didn't know where that was going to (laughs) go. Okay. Winnie the poo bear. Sheesh, go. Text number five. One who knows that the position reached by means of analytical study can also be attained by devotional service Attained. Attained, yes. Let me start again. One, <laughs> I know, I, I thought nobody heard that, but I said attained. Just in case. <laughs> Everyone, this mic catches everything. Okay. <laughs> Text number five. One who knows that the position reached by means of analytical study can also be attained by devotional service and who therefore sees analytical study and devotional service to be on the same level sees things as they are. Right. So essentially it's kind of saying the same thing. So the real purpose of philosophical research is to find the ultimate goal of life, or that's what it should be, hopefully. Yep. As long as w- through their research, they are ultimately reaching devotional service, they can right. consider the same thing. Yes. It's just a longer path, like like we've been saying. Yep. Exactly. I like the ending that says, factually, both, the pro- both processes are the same. Although superficially, one might seem to involve detachment and another involves attachment, but... Detachment from matter and attachment to Krishna are one and the same. All right. Mm. I like that. Anything else on text number five before we wrap up this episode? Just that detachment from matter and detachment from Krishna. Wait, what? No, no. <laughs> what Deta- detachment from matter and attachment to Krishna are one and the same. I love ah. that. And one who can see can this. Can you repeat that again? Repeat yeah, it yeah, yeah. Repeat one it slowly. Time, so detachment from matter. So that's basically through Sankhya philosophy. You're going to kind of detach from matter. So things, your your cars, the the material world. Yeah. Right. Your cars, your house, your children, you hide your wife, hide the kids. (laughs) (laughs) So detachment from matter and attachment to Krishna are one and the same. One who sees this sees things as they are. 
What is uh, detachment of Krishna? No, attachment no, to attachment Krishna. To oh, Krishna. I've been key, hearing detachment this whole time. I was like, why would you want to be detached from Krishna? Atta- d- detachment from matter and attachment oh, to Krishna. Oh, I love that. Now, yeah. like, like yeah, now yeah, I yeah. love it. I was like, wait, well, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. I think my headphones are a little low or something. Uh, I no, know, but I, I love that you mentioned that line because it's true, right? Like when you start detaching from all these material things that we're so, oh my God, attached to, right? right. Our, 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 our cars and our houses and our on prime boxes you know what i mean like <laughs> when we start detaching from that and attaching to krishna it's like one and the same right and that's yeah. why ultimately all roads lead to the same end goal let's hope yes so we'll enjoy <laughs> the beginning of chapter five we are going to start off our next episode with chapter five text number six so thank you so much for listening everybody yeah tune back in to see how to transform everything to love for krishna see you later bye ciao ciao Hello, beautiful souls. If you like what you're hearing, please follow us on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast. And if you love what you're hearing, please make sure to share a link to our podcast at Modern Yogi Podcast with all your friends, families, and long lost cousins. And if you have any questions at all, send us a DM on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you. Thank you for listening to The, the Modern, Modern Yogi. Yogi.